right. Hello, everyone. Welcome in to the latest episode, edition, whatever you want to call it, of the PHNX Rising Podcast. We are here in studio, and I am Max Simpson. This guy certainly is not Mr. Owen Evans. We're still free of him for at least a few more days, but it is the one and only Mr. Jake Anderson. How are we doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me in studio, man. Heck yeah, man. This no, place is cool. Showed him around, uh, played a little game of FIFA. We're not going to go into the score. We're going to go <laughs> absolutely right on past that. Uh, do not discuss any further. Uh, anyone hopping in the chat? Yeah, we're just going to leave it at that. But no, we got a, a nice show for everyone today. Uh, very you know loaded rising week. Nothing uh, is ever dull with this club, right? Hey, we got Long Fearson. Ah, uh, hi, Jake. Absolutely love that. Uh, no, very loaded rising week per usual. We're going to preview uh, Saturday's match against Miami FC. Talk a bit of rising news. Got some nice uh, you know team of the week updates. Some kudos. Some flowers being shown there, and really just going around the USL as we do, and just discussing kind of the landscape of the usl of the western conference everything we need to know where rising stands and all that fun jazz but you know jake let's get into this match against uh miami mfc i see i do see albert's comment i better see a substantial beer tower by the end of the show don't worry we'll be we'll be working on that uh for sure uh but no talking about miami fc right this is a team where they're not really Good. To put it as nicely right. as I can. Talk about Miami FC, not uh, Phoenix Rising. You know, we've seen, right, they have not won uh, a match in, what, eight matches, I believe. Uh, really. It's, it's like the beginning of May. Yeah, it's been a yeah. it's been a minute. Uh, poor, yeah, poor run of form, uh, really across the board, where they currently sit 11th in the East, uh, 13 points, a minus nine goal differential. Um yeah, I'm not sure if you've caught a lot of Miami FC games, but uh, what do you think uh, makes for why they're so bad? <laughs> uh, I'm I'm not really sure how. The first thing I think of is this seems is not good, and this should be a, a game that Rising should win. However, we saw them lose to Vegas at home, right? That was Vegas's only win of the season so yep, far. Still, that's correct. So we understand that. And this is USL where the results make no sense. There's one, at least yeah. one result every single week that makes no sense in this league. Oh, yeah. Phoenix is in a good spell of form. Miami is not. Everything tells you Phoenix should win. But you're going on the road. You're going into very bad weather. It's going to be either raining or humid or both. Uh-huh. It, it, it's, it's an unfamiliar opponent. You don't play the East Coast very much. I, I'm not really sure... If there's anything that Phoenix can do to, in terms of Wangeta's aspect, to get them motivated for this game, other than like you got to just take care of business because these are the games you cannot afford to yeah. drop points. I mean, this might be considered in a way a trap game, especially at Rising. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. That's a. It's going to be interesting, right? I mean, a lot of these recent matches that Rising has played, it's either you know there's a common element of it's either at home. There's some sort, you know, there's always stakes, right, within the USLC. But really, you think about this last stretch of matches that they have drawn results from. Oakland at home. I mean, you're at home. You're playing, you know, enough of the rivalry match, you know, quote unquote, with one girl's little club. Louisville. Uh, you then go to New Mexico for the win. You then go on the road to Oakland. And then you come back and you get the overwhelming dub. I mean, there's always been something at the stake of these last five matches. But this is something, it's a little bit different of a wrinkle for Rising. Again, this is a blip in the radar, especially knowing they don't have a match after this for two weeks. They get next weekend off. 
very, very easy to overlook this game and say, oh, we're going to Miami. Easy win, enjoy the beach afterwards and kick it. But not necessarily, man. No, and, and with the matches you just named, both Oakland games you rescued at the death, uh-huh. right? The uh, New Mexico match was the first time you'd ever won in the lab in, in club history. And then the Louisville match, you honestly probably should have gotten three points because you missed the penalty. So it, it, it's been a weird run of form. And then the, just to top it off with the 6-0 win over Memphis, which if you would have said that they got three points and didn't tell me what it was, I would have been like, okay, I can believe that. They probably played a good game. Maybe it was 3-2, mm-hmm. not 6-0. Yeah. But the point you made about not having a game, you're gonna, I mean, this is basically the, the bye week is coming after this. Oh, yeah. There is no reason why anyone should be holding back anything. And then, and, and I don't want to look too far past Miami, but I think once the Miami game is played, the getting Quajo back into the lineup who knows if Kev is still in the Gold Cup by the time their next game comes around, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the, the insertion of the guys who aren't here, who, who have not been starting in the last few matches we just talked about, I mean, it's kind of like this perfect opportunity to say, okay, show me what you got. Yep. And you might have a different starting lineup in three weeks' time, essentially. Yeah. No, 100%. It's uh, definitely going to be an interesting kind of transition, especially knowing where this match sits, where you then have the two weeks off. How quickly are you maybe looking to chop and change your lineup, keeping it consistent? It's going to be an interesting something that you look at this match, and again, you think based off the opponent, based off how Rising's playing, it's just a simple... Oh, cool. Run it back last week. And I wouldn't blame Juan Guerra if he doesn't change the lineup. But I think it's like, again, this is why they call it a trap game. Every single indicator, every single indicator means Rising should actually win this match and probably convincingly. And it just doesn't work like that, especially in this league. You're looking at Miami's games. The only two matches they have won all season, Las Vegas Lights, 4-1 at home, which I guess if you're using a transitive property, I think uh, we learned in elementary or middle school, because Las Vegas Lights beat us and Miami beat them, I mean, naturally, Miami should be favored in this match, of course. And then the other Miami FC win was 3-1 at home again against uh, Birmingham Legion, where, where Rising played them around a similar time frame. They were absolutely tops of the East. So, again, go figure. This season is absolutely topsy-turvy. You can't write a match off like this. No, and I I think this is why you go with your best possible 11 and you play them as much and as hard as you can because you are not resting for anything in the next Mm -hmm. two weeks. Mm -hmm. If they, you know, I don't know their travel plans, but if there is a vacation of any sorts planned, like you better make sure it's business first. You better earn this vacation that you're going on because I know they're going to give the players some time off to be with family. But you're at a point in the season to where you're starting to gain steam. You are in the just compact part of that Western Conference standings to where every single point at this juncture is going to be vital. And when you look at their schedule after Miami, Mm -hmm. you expect to drop points against somebody. Yeah. Not against Miami, though. And I know it's on the road. I know it's East Coast. you got to fly across the country. It's not going to be easy. But these are the games that are going to make or break your entire season. Do you plan on hosting playoff games or do you plan on scraping in? And these are the games that are going to decide that because these are the ones that you have to get three points. These are the games that you're going to look back and go, if we don't get three points, that's the, that's what the game that costs us maybe fourth or fifth place.
It's absolutely true, man. Especially where Rising sits in uh, in the table right now. It's all kind of up for grabs, all concentrated there in the middle. Seeing Albert's question, right, kind of going off what we're saying. What's going to be a greater obstacle for Rising? Is it Miami FC or is it going to be the conditions? I mean, at the end of the day, I think it's going to be Miami FC. These guys can play through rain. Uh, We were looking at the forecast and, you know, take forecasts for what they are. They're never 100% accurate. But rain might stop right at the end of, uh, right before kickoff, excuse me. So you have a wet pitch. Ball might be wet. Mm -hmm. You might have keepers who spill. I mean, you got to make sure you just do the fundamentals right. Mm -hmm. Because going back to what we've been talking about, turning the ball over in your own half, right? can't make those mistakes keeper cannot spill you can't give the other team goals and then expect yourself to score two or three because what if they park what if they park the bus and and rising has the the ball for 70 percent of the game and you do make that one mistake and you lose one nothing or you do rescue the point at the end and you're kicking yourself because you gave up a penalty or whatever the dumb mistake might be yeah right those are the little things i I, both teams got to play through the weather that's that's the the one thing but it's a team that you know you should beat, so just be confident. Go in and and play like you did against Memphis. Play the risky ball in in the final third. None none of that possession for possession's sake, passing it sideways and not even getting a shot off because we saw what the first, you know, six, seven, eight weeks of the season did with that, and it was aggravating. Yeah. Now we've seen a transition to how they've played, and it's been the defense that has let them down, and it's not been the defense while defending. It's been the defense while with Mm -hmm. possession. So... Play the way they played the last two, three weeks. I think they go in and they win. No, 100%. I'm seeing Marlon's comment. Last game's lineup was looking way better than previous games. You know, I think it's it's kind of an interesting one, right? I mean, you have to definitely rotate the lineup a bit, especially with you have a Kev going in Gold Cup, which we've seen. Uh, you have a couple guys who are kind of rotating back from injuries. So even the lineup itself, even throughout a match, has changed compared to the previous month or so where, you know, it's maybe a bit thinner of a rotation. Guys who are bringing, who are playing, even starting some of these matches are like, they're certainly not regulars even in the match day squad. And I would even say a lot of that looking better is really due to, I would say, a lot of consistency, really building into the system. We Like we keep on harping on, we have seen the buildup of this lineup and how Rising's been playing over the course of the season, particularly in the last month. And I think the really cool thing, right, is we've seen in these matches, yeah, Oakland aside, maybe, you know, it's not the most dominant of teams on paper, but all the other matches within this five match unbeaten streak, really for the, and, and also New Mexico, fair. They, you go to New Mexico, it's never the easiest place to play, but altitude. Yes, but all that being said, right, you got Louisville, you have, um, Excuse me. You have, you have the last ma- match as well, where it's like those are two big time opponents, and you're really able to come away with big results. This isn't just a slouch game like Miami. Rising keeps it going, and that's what the lineup I think has been attributed to as well. And I think to go back to you know your original question of coming into this match mentally, like when you start to take your opponent for granted, mm-hmm. like that is literally when oh, yeah. you you lose. I mean, yeah. you look at. I mean, and I know this was two seasons ago, but you look at when they played Los Dos away and they lost the game 3-0. Or was it 3-1? It was Rising had beaten Los Dos nine times in a row. No ties. Goal difference was plus 24. You go into a game and you take a team for granted and they, they're going to beat you. And yeah. they're, they're on the ro- They were on the road. That's yeah. why I bring up that game specifically because, I mean, even Vegas came into Phoenix this year and, and did it. Yeah. When, you, when you look at a team and you just you just think that they're garbage and you play against a team thinking that you can just show up and the, yep. the name on the front of your shirt is going to get you the three points. Like That's that's just not how this game works. And in, in soccer, of if, if any sport, is, is such a, a neutral game that can go either way because 
you don't necessarily have to attack. Yeah. Like, you can play for a nil-nil draw. That's I mean, where, it's how the game starts. Look at how Qatar yeah. beat Mexico. Yeah. I mean, a game like that can can easily happen yeah. if, if you're not crisp, if you're not sharp, if you're not playing the way you're supposed to play. So, if anything, you should go in and, and expect yourself to win by two. That should be the goal. Yeah, no, I right? Always uh, knowing where the opponent is, especially having the kind of in weather partially into play. Also, a fact we keep on bringing it up. We're not trying to be a dead horse, but right. It is the fact that this is an Eastern Conference team. You don't necessarily know a lot about them, know about their tactics. It's something where a lot of people maybe aren't flipping on a Miami FC game. But when you're looking at how they last played against Colorado Springs switchbacks, you know, we did kind of see a bit of their starting formation really gives a bit of an indicator and how they're going to transition within their play, right? So you're taking a look at the starting formation, which you can see on screen for those of you watching. Simple as a classic 4-4-2, right? Simple, easy enough, nothing too crazy. But then when you actually look at what their average positioning is, uh, you know, a bit of a different kind of bag of cats there, right? So kind of looking, right, from the 4-4-2 to what this transition to, it's a bit of you have, you know, fullbacks absolutely inverting. You have, um, gosh, the, uh, you know, different guys on the screen who are almost switch shifting feel completely. So really, you know, if we can if we're actually able to pop back real quick, go back to the starting position and then one more time going back to the average position as well. Guys are flip flop, right? This is a team where it's a pretty fluid lineup. It's something where um, we'll show a little bit later that really it's how they utilize their attacking thirds. They really like to play the outside one in particular, but knowing that rising is really almost trying to counter that counter press by shifting defenders forward and leaving that space open. You can kind of see by this unbalanced formation they are kind of playing like Rising did where they had, you know, that right wing back or right winger, Erickson Gallardo kind of status, their number 20 up there, isolated up top and then clogging the midfield. It might be a bit of Rising's own game, kind of taste their own medicine. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And the the one thing, though, that kind of stands out to me, other than the fact that it is a fluid lineup and and it, guys are going to be playing more centrally to be playmakers, you you see the, the cluster of the trio and it's so centralized. Oh, yeah. Right. So to me, that 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 says that the outside wingback play is their only form of width mm-hmm. right which is something i was complaining about from rising standpoint to go back to what you were saying mm-hmm. about it being similar to rising's you know when they were in the three five two mm-hmm. to where the width only came from the wing backs and everything was kind of clogged in the middle i think that plays favorably for phoenix yeah. who now has a double pivot who now has two three guys in the middle who can i think stop that mm-hmm and so now it really just becomes okay if their if their width is coming from their wing backs, you can definitely exploit the space that they leave when they are coming up. But the question I'm going to have is how much is Miami going to have the ball? Mm-hmm. How much is Miami going to be able to leave themselves exposed? To whereas I I think Miami's going to park a lot, and I, and I and I don't think that they're going to necessarily have. I think the reason why the spacing is so vast between the midfield and forwards, I think it's just counterattacks and long balls and route one stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think that'll be really the only way they attack Phoenix. Um, again, I, I think mistakes are really the only way that Phoenix ends up losing this game. You know, in a way, and it's not a like-for-like like comparison, but right, we're talking about Phoenix playing bottom-dwelling teams where they should absolutely win. And yes, as we see, <laughs> everyone's shouting out in the, ch- in the chat, right? Devin, Jake's back in the suit. Win, win, win. Uh, Emma, you know, uh, you know, yeah, job job done. Just one Jake. I get that, right? He's in a suit. He's looking good. Uh, yeah, we, we want to see more Jake. That's why he's here. Uh, no, but kind of going off of 
maybe a possible trap game that Rising faced a couple weeks ago, almost a month ago at this point, has some uh, parallels to Las Vegas Lights. How, right, we're not expecting them to have a ton of the ball. It's going to be a Rising-dominated uh, possession-type attack, especially when they were playing at home. And Rising really kind of made the one mistake or the one crucial mistake of the game of, hey, you, Vegas was always pushing numbers forward out wide. Rising doesn't really seem to track back, kind of loses their guy. And similar to how that layout was of Miami's average position, they have that guy kind of out on the right side, all by himself, isolated in, everyone else clustered in the middle. Ball gets whipped in, in the middle of the box, and it's 1-0 Vegas, and that's how it stands. It's a very much potential to do the same thing. And I Mon, I appreciate that very much. I don't I don't I don't need the external validation, but I do appreciate it. But no, it's uh it's gonna be a very interesting kind of cat and mouse game seeing how rising <laughs> takes this one. Oh dear gosh. No, Devin. That's uh no, we're 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 moving past that one. Owen's not here. That doesn't apply. Oh dear gosh. Um there was a question in there somewhere. I think it got lost in the 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 scramble of the comments but essentially i'm getting at this could be a similar fate in a way to las vegas lights match if rising doesn't come prepared i see what you're saying but I, my biggest point would be or counterpoint would be the formation at least in the defense has now changed to where back then mm. they were still running the three five two which mm -hmm. theoretically should have been a five three two in defense even when you're back, no one stepped to those to those crossers, mm -hmm. right? Now you have the opportunity to where you have true fullbacks, and and let's say it's on this side, it's on one side. Mm -hmm. You'll still have the three at the back. You'll still have the double pivot, and you'll have a clog of like six, five, six guys, and the one who can step, right? And and I think and that was something Juan talked about after the Las Vegas game is we're not stepping to the guy on mm -hmm. the ball, especially out in the wide areas. If you can take that away, and I think that's something that they proved that they were able to do against Memphis, mm -hmm. because we saw on Monday when we looked at the crossing chart, three completed crosses. Oh yeah. I mean, great. I mean, I mean, it was a from a Memphis perspective, that's abysmal. From a rising perspective, it's just phenomenal defense. Yep. I think having the two fullbacks that know their job is defend, then come and yep. come up and support, rather than the wingbacks being like, okay, well, I got three guys behind me who can cover. Let me be in support. Mm -hmm. Let me be on the overlap. I'm thinking that mentality switch with the fourth at back is going to be the difference in not allowing these crosses. Opposite teams are always going to get crosses in. They're going to get theirs. That's the game. But I don't think it's going to be as free. I don't think it's going to be as fluid. Um, but with the rain, guys can slip. Yeah. Rocco could come out. Or Rakowski, if he's in, can come out, yeah. drop a ball. I mean, we've seen the likes of Peter Cech drop balls in rain, right? A guy played in England in his almost his whole career. So it's just one of those... You got to be focused for 90 minutes, play a 90 minute match. And that's something that we've talked about all year with this team is we've seen them play for 90 minutes, I think once this year. And it was last week. Yeah, no, it's uh, that's honestly it. And I think the thing to even further support your point is when we looked at those crosses, the three completed pro uh, crosses that came in against Memphis, none of those completed ones were really high up the pitch they were all kind of on either towards the end line or ones that maybe a bit more threatening position all that to say rising has done a much better job of stepping up having that defensive alignment and not really giving opposing teams these acres of space like you saw against vegas of okay la di da di da we're gonna then close down and then you have a you know a pretty uncontested uh goal from 
what six eight yards out so has gotten better hopefully that trend continues with miami something to keep a note on on miami is really how they attack we showed you guys the formation we do have a graphic as well showcases uh really the sides of the pitch that they like to attack down for those of you who are watching on uh, screen essentially breaks down to about 30 percent is down the left hand side 32 percent down the middle but the overarching one 38 percent is going to be down the right-hand side. It's relatively balanced, but just something to keep a note, right? We saw on the average position graphic that Miami really likes to spread out, similar to what Rising does, is really emphasize giving space on um, the wingers. I mean, to, to Jet's point earlier, like, yikes, the spacing, pretty crazy. And, uh, yeah, we think that's probably going to complement how Miami looks to play through offense. I, I think this is actually really telling for what to expect from an offensive point for Phoenix. Like defensively, okay, Eddie's going to have, assuming Eddie starts, that's going to be the wing that he needs to make sure he steps on whoever has the ball, right? So let's say it is Darnell playing right back. He can funnel in, tighten in on the back post to B, and then you essentially get that third center back because he's platooned as a center back back when they were in the three system. But then conversely, when they're attacking, you're going to have Danny Trejo yeah. being able to attack exploited space. And that's a recipe for disaster if you're Miami. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, I mean, that is not something I would want to tempt fate with. And even if if, if, if Danny is just being a, a connector and, and, a, and, a, and a distributor at that point when he's out on the left flank, you're going to have Manu one-on-one. Because now, you, I mean, unless someone tracks back for Miami... You're only going to have two center backs. Mm-hmm. You can't. I mean, someone's going to have to step to Trejo. Mm-hmm. So now Trejo's got a guy one on one. He's got a guy. He's got Manu. Panos is coming in far post. Gallardo is coming in far post. I mean, I, I think this is, a, this is a game where tactically, because of the formation change, I think Rising can, can really take it to Miami if, if, if all goes well. I love it, man. This is music to uh, Rising offense. You're saying it's going to be a pretty, pretty fluid attack, would you say? I would imagine so. I mean, if, but I think is I think Miami understands that. And I don't think Miami's going to have the ball that much. And when they do, they're going to have to pick when they go because it's just if you are using your fullbacks against a team who has wingers. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're you're pre- you're pressing your luck because as soon as the wingers get get the ball in space, like you're done. Yeah, you're done. There, there's there's you're you're hoping that you can win one on one battles, and. You'll win a few, but it yeah. only takes one, like one defeat to lead to a goal. That's true. So I, it, I think Miami might change a little bit of what they do fundamentally and try to go for a point rather than try to go for a win, especially with a team that's not in good form at all. It's fair. I mean, especially yeah, knowing there's knowing their uh, knowing where they're at. Match starts as a draw. Wouldn't be the worst thing to try to keep it that way, but no, no. You mentioned uh, right. All it takes is one kind of mistake. Definitely. I think it's going to be a bit more of a fluid attack. Something fluid as well. Friends at Four Peaks, they really specialize in the fluids, particularly in the beer category, because that's what they are. They are Arizona's hometown brewery. Four Peaks Brew, we absolutely love them. They hooked us up today with all the beers in the office. They dropped by a mini shipment, which was incredibly nice to them, which included the tea shot, the kill lifters, the hazies, um, all you know, the IPAs, all that good stuff. Our crew is going to Vegas, uh, you know, uh, what, tomorrow, right? 
Friday, thank you. Friday. They leave Friday. And so they're uh, pretty much getting ready to hit the road. Gonna be taking four peaks with them. They know we can get four peaks in Vegas as well. Whether you live in Arizona or you live around the country, you can grab four peaks, go to their website, checking out their beer locator, find them near you. Of course, you guys in Arizona, check out at Four Peaks Brew and at Four Peaks Pub on Instagram for all the latest and greatest news from America's, excuse me, Arizona's hometown brewery. And uh, yeah, check them out Uh, again. I kind of teased it on last show, but keep on the lookout at PHNX underscore underscore rising for a new uh, Women's World Cup related announcement soon uh, with our friends at Four Peaks. Again, thank you, Four Peaks, for all that you do, keeping us fluid hydrated as well. Also, shout out to our friends at Circle K, Circle K. They are also giving you the fluids in the best possible way because if you look at the screen, you text PHNX to 31310. Again, you listen on audio, text PHNX to 31310 for buy one, get one free Polar Pops. That's not one. That's two Polar Pops for the price of one. I'm like Oprah in here giving out Polar Pops, but it's not me. It's our friends at Circle K. Again, PHNX to 31310 for buy one, get one free Polar Pops. Uh, yeah, all kinds of good stuff there. Again, you get your snacks, your gas at Circle K. All of our friends absolutely know what to do. Circle K hooking us up. And uh, they're also in Miami as well. They're literally across the dang country. So again, support Fort Peaks, support Circle K. Appreciate you guys supporting us as well. Getting into how Rising can approach this match. I know we talked a little about it, right? In the first segment, very much a bit like Miami-centric type thing. But really, talking about the Rising players... Who stepped up? We had a couple players named the team of the week, right? Manjoma and Harvey were named the team of the week. Fuenmayor and Gallardo both had honorable mention. We talked a bit about this um, in the last show, even on post game as well. Of like, it's tough after a match like that to call out certain players and see right who's going to be named. You know, knowing that so many players had good performances. But again, Manjoma and Harvey named in the team of the week with Fuenmayor and Gallardo honorable mention. Think they got it right? Pretty fair. Yeah, I, 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 I'm loving that Fumayor got in. I'm loving that they, you know, acknowledged the center back for yeah. playing his position well. Yeah. I'm a, it's one of those I'm a little disappointed because, like, Rocco got an assist. We did talk about this. And yeah. he had as many assists as yeah. he had saves. And it's, like, not his fault that he doesn't have to make saves. Like, yeah, his team allowed nine shots, but Memphis only made him work one time. You can only do what you do. Exactly. Yeah. Like you, you got the clean sheet because you didn't have to do much because the other team was not good. And your defense was. Yeah. It, again, six different goal scorers, a six nil victory. You're gonna have some. Yeah. And like you said too on Monday, like there was a it was a week where you had a lot of you know brace scores and and multiple and guys who had assists on top of their goals mm-hmm. and you're not gonna get everybody. I think they got this one right though. I'm I'm glad they got four in total of the eighteen. Um, and I think Eddie was a shoe in for sure. Absolutely. I was going to say, especially like not just the fact that he had the first goal, but just how it came, the nature of it all. Like, I mean, come it, on. When it, you're nominated for goal of the week, like you're going to get Technically, it's the, the game winning goal. And yeah. that was something that we kind of mentioned. Yeah, that is true. That's there were, there were what? I mean, <laughs> I would say there were three meaningless Pat statting goals. Yeah. All of which came in the second half. Right. But if you look at what that did for the goal difference, look at that different goals forced. That could bode very well when it comes down to tiebreakers because the first tiebreaker in USL is going to be the, the dubs. Yeah. So if you're tied on ties, you know, that, that could end up being the difference. It's very true. It's very true. These are guys, Ryan Joma very much has been, you know, featured heavily throughout the season and in particular over the last month. Harvey, I mean, come on, there's every other match this guy is. I'm sorry, is, how is did Panama not bring him? 
What's that? How did Panama not bring him? Oh my gosh. Uh, it's funny. We talked so much about, okay, Gold Cup, Gold Cup. No Kevin Lambert, no Carlos Harvey. We kept on hammering it for weeks. Then we see the lineups drop and you're like, wait, why? Like, what are you, what are you doing? I mean, honestly, like unfortunate. And again, it's one of those you're like, well, thank you because we get to keep him. But you look at the overall trajectory of the player and this doesn't mean that, you know, his international future is done or anything like that. But it's like, why would they not? We, we thank them for keep, we're letting us keep him, but... What are you doing, Panama? Come on. No, and especially when you knew that the U.S. basically wasn't going to try. Yeah. And this is arguably the worst Mexico team of our lifetime. Come on. I mean, like, this yeah. was, uh, this was, uh, this is, I mean, it's not like it's over. This is a tournament that I'm really pulling for Jamaica. They're on Mexico's side of the bracket. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I'm hoping, you know, I'm hoping that someone other than the U.S. can win this and that, that it's Jamaica. Yeah, I I hear I'm like a I'm like a Rob Lowe with the NFL hat, just the the gold the gold, <laughs> the gold cup polo. I'm just everyone have fun. But yes, I you know want to see Jamaica squad squad do well with Kev Lambert. And yeah, very uh, weird. Panama did not choose Carlos Harvey, but again, these guys have been regulars. Carlos Harvey, man of the match, practically every other game, at least by us. But in many aspects, he is like top three performers every single match. Had the goal um, and uh, you know just an incredible performance again against Memphis. Fuenmayor, um, absolutely bossing. And he's had a couple matches, right, where, you know, even Owen got, got in on him. Hey, maybe some inconsistent defending. Again, even I go back to the goal that Vega scored. Ill-time header, or lack thereof. But, hey, he's absolutely improved. Again, good honorable mention. And Gallardo, he has stepped up. Um, good shout there, especially with how he produced. I mean, that goal also, too, absolutely bossing the defender with a guy who, like, seemingly twice his size. So, very nice performance. But all that being said, got a lot of guys mentioned that we named the team of the week. Do you rotate the lineup, like, at all from Memphis? Okay. No. You're shaking your head no. Chat, I'm curious if you guys have uh, additional thoughts. But, I mean, I agree. Why mess with that? Especially knowing that you have the week off. Why mess with the good thing? Thousand percent, and and that more so is the reason why. Like, yes, you are in form, mm-hmm. and you want to not mess with the good thing that's working. Mm-hmm. But more so, if if you had a midweek, even if you if you did have a game next week, I would understand. Okay, you got to travel across the country twice just to get home, and then you would have the added minutes on the legs. You got guys mm-hmm. who have been playing ninety minutes for multiple matches in a row. You're trying to work other guys in. That I would completely get. Mm-hmm. But the fact that you don't have a game for two weeks after this, you're just going to train. I would argue that they're not going to have a full week of training next week. Mm-hmm. There's no reason not to. And, and I think this is the time where you have to go full throttle and get three points in this match because yep. there's no other result that is going to suffice. And then you spend next week and the following week building, building up to your next match. Getting Quajo back in there. I, I think Kev will still be away if all goes well for Jamaica. But you can get Quajo back in there somehow. Again, I don't know who you take out, to be honest. And I kind of think Fede mm-hmm. might... Again, we've talked about how he's been disappointing this year from what we expected. Yeah. But you can make Fede a super sub, man. I mean, if that's if that ends I up being his role... Don't hate that. You're, you're bringing a guy who at least has the capability to be a starter. Play him for 30 minutes. He's going to have a little bit more stamina left he's gonna have a little bit more of an edge a little bit more pace against more tired defenders especially during the summer months you can you can work a way to play 16 players because this team has 15 plus players they don't have all of them right now because not all of them are healthy or not all of them are with the squad but this this team this team is is deep and they're healthy 
Absolutely, that's very fair. Uh, Devin with the no, you're gonna have to elaborate on that. I don't I'm, know. I'm assuming that's I'm, the, do you change the line? See, okay, that's what I'm just to make sense. Just want to clarify that as well. Uh, no, I, I think it's something where that's such a luxury of being able to bring a guy like Freddy Varela, where maybe if he hasn't been producing in the starting lineup, but I mean, think about it. Mo- the majority, vast majority of the matches um, that he has featured in, it's because he started. Hasn't been as affected, has flashes here and there, but especially everyone talks about flashes and the potential. If you're able to bottle that into the last 30, 20 minutes, whatever, and say, this is like, take all the noise out of whatever. You have 30 minutes to take all the talent, everything you have, channel that into the one area. It's not the worst thing. And you see he comes on, he scores like, I I love it. Okay, we can do it. Devin, take Gallardo out if he's not doing good. That's a, a fair shout. I mean, I think he's also a guy who, um, right, there's been flashes here and there, uh, you know, pretty consistent performance uh, overall against Memphis. But, yeah, it'll be interesting. I think it's a it's a luxury to have so many offensive players yeah. coming back into the fold. Again, knowing after Gold Cup you're going to get Kev back, you're going to have even more time to kind of rest, heal up. It's a, it's a wonderful thing for this. I'm – I guess it's also kind of going back to the trap kind of game of like, is this even where, I don't know, like, do you bring in a, a Rakowski? Like, do you, is there anyone you want to spell or even work into the lineup, even not necessarily from starting, even bringing guys in on more of a, hey, you're going to get some more minutes because we want to, you know, experiment here, experiment there. Do you even give that match, uh, this type of match, the luxury? I don't think so because, uh, again, you have a two week spell to the, quote unquote do an experiment within mm-hmm. training with yourselves mm-hmm. right and this is a match that you absolutely have to win like there's no think about it the other uh, if, if let's say you do experiment mm-hmm. it doesn't go well you drop points mm-hmm. now what are we thinking mm-hmm. now the confidence is perhaps low for the ones that didn't play well there are players who should have started who are going to be upset who are going to be pissed i mean there there's I think there's more to lose if you don't start the team that you know you should play. So whereas you can you can work in those wrinkles and work in those guys that do need some extra time, but you can do it in training. I mean, everyone's going to have to train. There's no no one is playing a game for two weeks after this. Sure. But this is three points you absolutely have to have. And and from a competitor standpoint, you you understand that you earn your playing time in training. Yeah. Like you, I mean, that's how all coaches operate. Like no, no matter. How, how, how many fans think it's about what happens on the pitch? It's partly what happens on the pitch, but what you can do consistently for four or five days leading up to that, that's what a manager wants to see. Mm. And if you can do that, you'll work your way back into a lineup, even if you're you're you know not in his favor right now. Yeah. Talking about training. Talking about training. See Jets uh, comment. There's a time to dabble. Finding backup nine if up to now. I mean, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting thing, right? Like, you know, I think we're again keep on. Don't want to want to make sure we emphasize that you know going up six <laughs> nil. Uh, hopefully it happens again, but you know not something you count on. But even you know you go up two nil, you're able to build a cushion, especially late in it. Maybe I personally think maybe it's not the worst thing to mix in guys in the rotation. But I think to your echoing your point, I think there is a, a stark difference between experimenting and seeing if something works, especially if you haven't tried with and rather what I think Juan has really looked to do more throughout the season is bringing in guys in the right situations, almost doing ex, uh, situational base play. That way, it really replicates situations where you need like must wins in the playoffs or during the stretch of the season. I think something like that, maybe mixing in, you know, uh, someone, you know, someone who can play in the nine position, not the worst idea. 
I like the idea. I mean, if you're winning, let's say it's the it's two nil, 80th minute, you you have decent control of the game, and yep. there's no need to keep Manu in, and you take him out. But here's my question for that: Who? I know. There's no like. There's no one who's even going to play half the the position that he's been playing. Uh, he's the golden boot leader for part. a reason. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's you, you can I get a know. different version. You can play. You can play like with a false nine. That's. I think that's what you go to because yeah. I, there's no one who's going to be able to be in a, a complete forward where he can do a little bit of everything of getting in behind, build up play, aerial threat. Like we saw, like Trejo can't do that. Yeah, he, he can. He can do everything but the aerial stuff, right? You can do Panos. I don't necessarily know if Panos is a, you know, a goal scorer at heart. Yeah, because that takes a different type of player. It does you know you're only going to get two touches, and that second touch is your shot. Yeah. And that has to be... That's instinct-based. Right? right? Like, yeah. there, there are only certain players who can do that. Oh, yeah. So, I, I don't I don't know if this team has a backup. Like, like this team will only be able to score as long as Manu's on the field, in my yeah. opinion. Especially against the better squads. And I think that's a... Man, I mean, even the way his, you know, his uh, progression through the season, just how he's flourished, it's a best and worst case scenario. Because knowing that when he's on the field, he absolutely changes you, that's absolutely fantastic. But then that's almost a juxtaposition of like, if for whatever reason he's off the pitch, it definitely, you know, it, it definitely brings up a, a different question for sure. And I mean, I mean, Jeff's question is a legitimate one. And that's something, you know, and maybe that's maybe that's for another deeper conversation where hopefully we don't have to live in that world where Arteaga is off the pitch for anything like that. But like, it is a really interesting one of like, do you try to invest time finding, you know, death at the nine position when really you never want to take the guy off for as long as you can. Like why, again, why fix a good thing, especially a darn good thing for your number nine, who's the golden boot leader, hot take from Jet. Could Harvey be an emergency mm, nine? Maybe. That's interesting. That's very interesting. Because my, my just thinking about this question from Jet is, is there's going to come a time where Rising has three games in eight days, and I don't think you want to play anybody 270 plus minutes. Mm-hmm. Best case scenario, you're able to take him out in the 75th or the 80th because you have a lead, but that's we know that's not going to be the case. There are going to be games where he has to play the 90-plus. Hell, if it wasn't for him playing 90-plus against Oakland, you don't have those two points, yeah. right? So it Harvey could, but I just... I guess the benefit there is you have the depth to replace Harvey, and I guess if he's playing as an emergency nine, something has gone wrong, yeah. whether Manu's hurt, whether... It's a midweek game, and and or you had that three games in eight days, and you chose, you know, uh, RGV. Let's yeah. say you chose RGV to okay. Manu cannot play the whole game. We'll play him for a half. We're tied. We're up one nil. We'll take him out, and we'll move Carlos up because you have the players who can then play behind him. You won't get the box to box production that Carlos gives you. Yeah. But I mean, we're talking about the Golden Boot leader here. Yeah. Like you take him off the team and no team's going to, you take Holland off city. It's a different <laughs> team. Like it, it, that's just, that's just, there's the facts of it. It's a matter of, that's how it works. It's a PHNX rising exclusive. Jake Anderson compares Manuel Arteaga to Erling Holland. No, but no, no, no. We, we hey joke. man, golden boot winner. Yeah. Golden boot winner. <laughs> no, no, no. We know we love it. No, but it's, it is a very intriguing question. One that, uh, right. Especially matches like this, seeing how it plays out. It could be a very interesting time for how you kind of rotate the lineup, everything like that. Uh, it's in Marlins comment. I'll take Trejo up top. They're going to replace the outside position. Respect that there. No, it's going to be a very interesting. That's rot- honestly probably what one That's, ends up doing. Makes sense. No, for sure. All uh, right. 
kind of balancing the rotation, something that we're not going to have to balance. Surf friends of Valley Tapper. We already know the rotation going on there. It's going to be hang out on Trivia Tuesdays while it's going on there. A little patio action in the evening when it's kind of got that, you know, cool, warm uh, breeze flowing through. They got the wine slushies on tap, all of that good jazz. We kind of talked about it with Four Peaks already, but to be on the lookout at phnext underscore underscore rising on Twitter for a little uh, announcement for the World Cup watch parties, the Women's World Cup watch parties coming on this month. It's literally already here, which is kind of bonkers, but we appreciate our friends at Valley Taproom, especially for you those for those of you on the east side. It's a fun location, nice little spot. They got the good beers. They got the Four Peaks, all that jazz. Check them out on Instagram at Valley Taproom and in person off the 202 and Gilbert, uh, you know, those of you who partook, I know a couple of people in the PHNX studios uh, enjoying a little OGs uh, yesterday, a little 4th of July action. OGs, really nice poolside. Uh, I actually busted out my uh, Four Peaks, fl- or excuse me, for my uh, OGs float. Uh, they actually made a limited edition one for Pina Colada last year. And uh, this year's edition for summer is, of course, Pink Lemonade. But uh, yeah, I was floating around on my uh, Pina Colada float in my pool, which is uh, quite a sentence I didn't think I'd ever say in life. But here we are. We did it. Uh, uh, you know, the Pink Lemonade is absolutely delicious. It tastes like Pink Lemonade, but of course... For those adults who are 21 years or older, absolutely enjoy it. Phenomenal stuff. They got the creams, the fruits. You guys already know the whole Shabil shebang. Check them out on Instagram at OG's Brands. That's O-G-E-E-Z Brands. Or check them out online at ogsbrands.com to find them at a dispensary near you. Uh, Mr. Jake Anderson, Anderson, we typically do this uh, on the show right before the game. And I got to ask Chad the same thing. Can I get a score line from you? Two nil. Ooh, two nil. Phoenix. Uh, bonus question: The goal scorers. Manu and Treo. Ooh, I like that. I like that a lot. Um, <laughs> interesting. Yeah, two nil is a pretty pretty good one. Uh, I would. Probably, I'm 100 percent with that. You see, with Alberts, I'd, I'd rather I'd rather keep Dan at side. It seems like he does yeah. so much better in space. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think right. It kind of like it's. What I've been saying for months. It's it's kind of like what we're saying. Like if if you have to do the break uh, glass in case of emergency and put Danny Trey up top. I mean, sure he can do it, but like you don't want him to. You don't want him to because there's yeah. no like for like replacement for Artiaga. And really as well for what Trejo does. Uh, but I agree with Albert's comment. Okay, Devlin, see, we got a 1 1 draw. Devlin getting spicy with it. Interesting. That's uh, it's a bold claim. I was, you know, keeping us honest. I'm going to go 2 0 as well. Um, it's kind of what I was thinking, right? I, I want to say a higher scoreline, but honestly, I think the 6 0 is a bit of an anomaly, even though Rising was playing absolutely lights out. I see Albert 2 1 Rising, Manu and Panos. Interesting. I will go 2-0 I'm gonna say again no indicate okay Jet 3-1 Manu uh lands in Varela okay interesting uh I'm gonna say 2-0 and I'm gonna say uh Arteaga still the golden boot leader but he doesn't uh he doesn't score in this match I don't know I think they're gonna mark him think they're gonna try to take him out of the match I'm gonna go with uh give me uh give me Trejo and uh Carlos Harvey Kind of a kind of a curveball there, but we'll see. Uh, chat keeps sending through your score results, please. Kind of taking a look around the USL. Already had a couple matches going on this week. Uh, you know, on uh, let's see, yesterday actually we had uh, Colorado Springs Switchbacks four nil against Monterey Bay, and then Las Vegas Lights drew New Mexico at home two two. 
It's crazy a Fourth of July matches, but honestly, it really just means that the Western Conference, it's freaking weird. I mean, Monterey Bay, granted, Colorado Springs. Colorado cannot cannot play away from home. No, Colorado Springs has been hot or cold, but Monterey Bay, we thought they were a pretty decent team. I would even say that you could make an argument they're a sleeper pick for top four going into this. Yeah, no, it's been a a weird season for them in Vegas. I mean, they, they eke out weird results, but then again, New Mexico, they're not faring too much better either. Yeah, and also, I mean, if you ever watch the Vegas match, it's, <laughs> it, there's, I mean, there really is nothing like it. It's, it's one of a kind. That is a, that's a fact. Uh, take that, people, as you will. But yes, I completely agree. Uh, Friday, we got Memphis uh, and San Antonio. Actually, gonna be a very interesting one. Memphis. Where's that one at? It's gonna be home for Memphis. That'll be a good game. Yeah. I, I, actually, think, I, I think Memphis rebounds just because they're pissed. I think so, too. Yeah, that would be an interesting one, especially against San Antonio. A couple other notable games. Again, not doing my Owen Evans Siri impersonation. Uh, <laughs> Saturday, we got Pittsburgh and Sacramento. Uh, it's at Pittsburgh. That'll be a spicy one. Uh, you got L- uh, Louisville at home against Loudoun. Uh, interesting one there. Monterey Bay at home against El Paso. Again, El Paso. Mike, chugging along, pun intended. They are absolutely crushing it. It's going to be interesting to see if they can bring it against Monterey Bay. And then kind of, you know, some of the teams that always throw a wrinkle. Again, it's Vegas hosting Birmingham Legion. Two really weird teams, uh, especially how the season's gone. So it'll be interesting to see how everything shakes up uh, around the USL. But again, for those of you who are keeping score at home and where rising sit, it's a very congested table, and that in a way works to Rising's advantage. They're currently right now six in sole position in six. Depending on how other matches go, you know, they could, um, if I'm doing my math right, they could crack into the top four, um, or with a loss, they, I guess, in theory, could be uh, on the outside of the playoff picture again if the season ended uh, after this weekend. It certainly does not, but just saying that. It's a very, 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 very congested table. Again, in between second and 10th, eight points. Again, second place and 10th place, eight points separate those teams. How many points back is SAC, are they? How many points back? No, uh, so SAC is top of the table with uh, Correct. 33. Yeah. So they're what, eight points back? Oh, oh got it. Uh, a rising of SAC. Yes, that is correct. Because I think SAC drops points again this week. Uh huh. Because Pittsburgh's imp- impossible to beat on, you know, if you're going over there. Yep. And El, I mean, think about that too. I mean, El Paso playing Monterey, those are two and five. So either way, someone's dropping some sort of points. There's an opportunity for Rising to get into the mix there. If you're saying that Memphis is going to win, that means, uh, yeah, that means that other teams are kind of dropping. It's it's possible, man. You can listen. You don't want to play the what if games because you can really drive yourself crazy. Again, there's so much left in the season. But if Rising can go into this two week break and say, hey, at minimum, we're pretty much like I would say top five, kind of like scratching that top four area. Phenomenal place to be considering that again very early on. This team is at one point in the bottom of the West, so. Go figure. Things can turn around. You just got to keep uh, chugging along. And, and I think that's why this match is so important mm-hmm. to win, to get three points, because after your your bye week, you're going to have a game in hand on most of these teams. Your points possible is going to be higher than the standings reflect. And for whatever reason, and like you, they might still be in like fifth, sixth place, but they'll have an extra game in hand. And then the team, for whatever reason, might might just look at you and just say, oh, they're in six. Yeah. When realistically, because of how close the table is, one yeah. result, they catch up on the games. They go through that the week where they have three games in eight days. 
and you get results out of that, they've just proven that they can go on the road and, and win, right? And not lose. I, I think this is imperative week to, to really prove that they've built what Juan has been trying to do for the last year, right? It's a different team this year than the one he took over last year. Absolutely. But it's it's coming to fruition, like full steam ahead. Yeah, it's like keeps on building one match or another. Again, the the genesis and the emphasis of everything we keep saying here is Miami, not a great team, but doesn't matter. You can't overlook them. Get into this, win this match, vault yourself into that hosting playoff window kind of caliber of a you team. You still got to play, Sack. I mean, not that, play, you're, man. not that you're chasing them at, at this point, but you can give yourself an opportunity to creep up on them to where when you do play them, you're maybe only four or five points back. Mm-hmm. You win the match. Now you're literally one result there yeah. goes against them. One result goes your way and you overtake them while you're tied with them. I mean, you got to just put yourself in a position to have an opportunity. And that's it. The first one comes on Saturday. I mean, I think to your point, right, like there's a lot of matches in the season, but you never want to look back and be on the outside of something and say, man, there's not just one match that decides uh, a team's fortunes, but you never want it to be, man, it was that one match where we let that game slip away or we really took that team for granted. And I, this is a trap. This could be a trap game. Very much can be. I think the biggest one and the biggest thing is there are games that you're supposed to win. Yes. And this is one of them. Yep. We saw that rise, right? Our, our credo on the podcast, you know, Owen and I were saying three matches, nine points in that in that stretch that, um, you know, a couple away matches, but it concluded with Vegas. And Vegas, absolutely bottom dwelling at the time. You're thinking, okay, Rising had like that squeaky 1-0 win against Orange County the match before. But you're thinking, okay, this is where they completed. They go on and they didn't. And it's something where... That was one you were absolutely supposed to. And not only did Rising lose, they were not the, the dominant team. They really barely had uh, you know a lot of quality chances. This could be a match like it. Don't want it to. Rising, keep your head up. And yeah, just treat this game like any other in the sense of keep dominating. Do what you need to do. Um, I would say that's, that's all I had, man. Anything else you want to say to the people before we uh, peace out of here? No, man. I just want to say thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. Heck yeah, man. Well, appreciate you and everyone joining us. You can follow uh, the show on Twitter at PHNX underscore underscore rising. Uh, this is assuming that uh, Twitter is still a thing. That's a conversation for another time. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Max David Simpson. You can follow Jake on Twitter at JWA1994. And yeah, appreciate everyone. Again, uh, you can catch us for a post game on Saturday. And of course, our pregame show as well. It's going to be 30 minutes before kickoff over on AZ Family. So again, AZ Family, 30 minutes before kickoff. And then us, eh, you know, about 15 to 30 minutes after full-time whistle on here on YouTube. You know the whole shebang. Owen, uh, we'll be back. So uh, yeah, take that as you will. Uh, please still tune in, you know, uh, even though he's going to be back or whatever. But uh, yeah, appreciate you guys joining us. It's uh, the beautiful game for sure. But it's even more beautiful when, uh, yeah, man, you have a good time and we get to preview a match like this. So see you guys on Saturday and have a good one.